0: Hopefully you're happy this morning. We've been, week five, I believe, we've been talking about what makes you happy. And today, this is the final teaching in this series, The Pleasure Paradox. Uh, We have another pastor here this morning, and when you're in the ministry, you have the, um, I guess, privilege, you would call it a privilege, to have people come to you and share their problems. And... um, Sometimes, if you know these people in the past, you could say, see it coming. You could see it in a marriage relationship that isn't operating <laughs> the right way or a parenting style that you know is going to cause trouble in the future, somebody financially that is uh, not being wise, and then we know there's trouble down the, down the line. So some of our problems in life we bring on ourselves, don't we? Um, There's a verse of scripture I want to share with you as we start. It's a verse that nobody puts on their refrigerator or on their mirror. (laughs) And Jesus is talking to his disciples the last hours of his life, and he's kind of cramming stuff into their lives for the last time. And he says something that uh, uh, helps us understand this this concept. It's in John chapter 16. He said, I have told you all these things. So that in me, you will have perfect peace. Now, we've said to be happy, you have to have peace. If you do not have peace, you cannot be happy. So he said, I've told you all these things, you're going to have peace. So we're thinking, okay, he's going to tell us about having peace. And he says, in the world, you and I are in the world, right? In the world, you'll have tribulation and distress and suffering. Wait a minute, Jesus, I thought we were talking about peace. He said, you'll have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be courageous. Amplified says, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. But wait wait a minute, Jesus just talking about problems, pain. Be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory abiding. Jesus is victorious. The grave is empty, right? So why? Why would you and I do things to undermine our own happiness to cause more pain that it's going to naturally come to us just because we're living in this world. Now, I'm going to give you one reason, one big reason, I believe. The reason we undermine our own happiness is confusion between two words, the word pleasure and the word happiness. So we're trying to figure that out this morning. Now, Jesus was teaching a crowd one day, and he told a story, we call them parables, and he's talking about a a sheep gate, and I'm the shepherd, and the sheep hear my voice, and the scripture is amazing, just so amazing. The text stops, and then it says, the crowd didn't understand what he was talking about. Did you ever read one of the parables and not understand what Jesus was talking about? Well, they were hearing it first person, and they didn't understand it, so he... Shifted, I guess you would say, or explained it a little bit more, or used a different analogy. And so that's where we're going to pick it up in verse 10. Okay, you didn't understand that. Well, maybe you'll understand this. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, we often apply that to the thief, the evil one, but it could apply to anyone anyone that brings about steals from you. Kill something in your life or destroy something in your life or my life. Now, we're going to talk about the bad news first, okay? So hang in there with me. Who in your life has the greatest potential to steal from you, to kill one of your relationships, or to destroy your life? And the answer is the same for all of us. Who is it? It's you. It's me, right? Because no matter where I go or who I'm with, the common denominator, we're going to talk about that in a minute, is me. So I had the greatest potential to do this. I had the greatest potential to undermine my own happiness. In fact, we have a term for this. We say sometimes, I'm my own worst enemy, right? I've done more to make myself unhappy than anybody else has done. Undermine my happiness. How do I know that? Well. Because you ate it, you bought it, you drank it, you smoked it, you dated it, you married it, right? Just like I did. So, again, think about this. What is the common denominator in all those scenarios? Every event of your life, who's the common denominator? It's me, right? Oh, I like to blame other people. I like to blame my wife. I like to blame my kids. I like to blame my boss. I like to blame you, you folks, my church. I would like to blame, you know, the government. I like to blame lots of other people. But the common denominator in every unhappiness in my life is me. Now, so Jesus gives this contrast. He says, this thief, he's not good. He, he, he steals and kills and destroys. But me, I'm, I'm different than that. My purpose is to give them, or you, a rich and satisfying life. Wouldn't you like to have a rich and satisfying life? Jesus said, that's my purpose. Some translation says abundant life. The interesting thing, the Greek term, is. it says it in, 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 uh, in the negative. It says that not ordinarily entertained. Kind of weird way to say it, isn't it? Not ordinarily entertained. So we would say it's extraordinary, wouldn't we? So, Jesus, my purpose is to give you an abundant life, rich and satisfying life, an extraordinary life. And we were singing some of those songs. I was thinking about being light and salt. Um, If you're not a believer, we're delighted you're with us this morning. But if you're a, a Jesus follower, when people meet you or people think about you, they should say, wow, there's something different about them. Something possibly extraordinary about them. And it's not about our looks or how much stuff we have or anything else. It's something internal. And it should be, Jesus said, if you're my follower, that should exemplify your life. And the text goes on. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now, why is Jesus a good shepherd? What makes a shepherd good? Well, he tells us why he's a good shepherd. He said, The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. So, in real life, a shepherd would sacrifice, protect, or sacrifice possibly their lives to protect it from a wolf or a lion or some other beast that would kill the sheep. So, how good is Jesus? (laughs) As good as it gets, right? Because he's willing to sacrifice his life for us. So, this is really important especially if you struggle with some of the Bible and some of the stuff in the Old Testament and you don't understand it and wonder how, you know, God could be that way. First and foremost, foundational is this. If somebody is willing to give their life for you, then they are for you, right? They are for you. So Jesus is for you and for me. Now, the thief, not so much, right? The thief's purpose is to... Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is for us. He's willing to and has died for us, and he wants to give us an extraordinary life. So all of us continuously are faced with the decision, am I going to follow the good shepherd or am I going to allow the thief in my life, including myself, to be the thief? Now, Jesus is comparing us to sheep, and evidently I don't know much about sheep, but they're not the most intelligent animals in the world, okay? And I got to thinking about that. That's probably a good analogy then, right? Because we're not the most intelligent people in the world because we do dumb stuff to undermine our happiness all the time. Now, so one of those thieves are ourselves, but that's not your only enemy, is it? It's not my only enemy. You're not your only enemy. Now, we could say it's the evil one, uh, but I want to talk about something specific. The, uh, the Scriptures, the Bible, personifies something that we… Well, let me give you the word. The word sin. It describes it as a thing, a it, a person. And as we talked about in this series, sin always separates, right? It doesn't do anything good. Sin always separates. We talked about in three areas. It separates us from God, first and foremost, Right? It separates us from ourselves. Did you ever feel like you couldn't forgive yourself? And it separates us from those that we care about relationally. Sin always separates. So sin's purpose, we could say, is then to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Both internally and externally, within us and around us, or outside of us. So, again, I ask myself, why are we so dumb to undermine our own happiness? And I think part of the answer is uh, the confusion between these two words, pleasure and happiness. Now, God created us with the capacity for both of these, right? To Experience both pleasure and happiness. In fact, um, if you're one of the disciples and Jesus is going to perform his first miracle to prove who he was, what would you suggest to Jesus that it would be? You know, heal this person, blind person, lame person, maybe raise the dead. That would be a good way to start off, right? I'm sure some of you know. What was Jesus' first miracle? Wine into water. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't think anybody would suggest that. I mean, water into wine. Excuse me, I said it backwards. Uh, Why? Well, why why would Jesus do that? I I don't know the answer. Someday we can ask him, I guess. Don't know the answer. All I know is that wine brings pleasure to people, right? And it brought pleasure to those people at that wedding. So God created us with the capacity for pleasure, whether it's uh, what things we drink, things we eat, uh, sexual pleasure, he created us uh, with that. Uh, All our senses, Uh, the pleasure to hear music, be able to hear, the pleasure to be able to see beautiful things, uh, all these things, God created us with the ability to do that. So, it's not a, cho- a choice. We've got to choose between pleasure and or, ha- or happiness. God desires us to experience both. Now, here's the big problem. The problem is when we prioritize the wrong thing, when we prioritize pleasure over happiness. And we're going to see that when you do that, eventually you wound up with neither pleasure nor happiness. Only as we reverse those, only as we make the priority happiness, can we also enjoy life and pleasure. Because this is the fact about pleasure. Eventually, pleasure loses its pleasure. And we've all experienced this. And eventually, it can become a prison. And We have a term for this. It's called the law of diminishing Returns. You ever heard that term? Okay. We've all experienced it. Okay. When you first got your driver's license, it's probably exciting to drive 60 miles an hour. After a while, got to be 70 miles an hour, right? After a while, yeah, that's no big thrill or maybe that, you know, pleasure taking that, drinking that first glass of wine, but after a while, it uh, doesn't have much effect on me. I, it need, you know, need to be a second glass, and maybe I was drinking one glass a week, but now I'm drinking one every other day, and uh, examples go on and on and on, you know. Um, uh, you know, I enjoy playing golf, so I played once a week, but that wasn't enough. Now I've got to play, you know, every other day. I, I get, all I think about is playing golf. So the things that started out as pleasure eventually become obsessions. They become, they master us. We're not free. They're not free anymore, so they eventually, we have a word for that too, they become an addiction. They become something we can't stop doing. We can't stop thinking about it. Now, originally it was a pleasure, right? And sometimes it's tragic. Probably almost all of us know somebody, I have relatives that OD, drugs. Uh, it just took control of them, right? So we can have all kinds of addictions. We can have food addictions. We can have Drinking and drug addictions, we can have sex addictions, pornography addiction, all kinds of addictions. All these things started out as pleasure, right? But now they're not a pleasure anymore. They're a prison. So I want to look at something Paul wrote as he addressed this idea, this topic. This is in Romans chapter 6. This is written to a church in Rome. He says, well then, since God's grace has set us Free from the law. Okay? God has a law. Got to keep the law. Got to be perfect. Get into heaven. None of us done, have done that. So the only way we can get there is because of God's grace. We're going to talk about it in a minute. It's a free gift. He gives us the opportunity to have our sins forgiven, have a relationship with Him, and then spend eternity in heaven with Him. We call that God's grace. We don't deserve it. He gives it to us or offers it to us. So then we're free from the law. We still don't keep it, but the penalty is no longer ours. Jesus took the penalty for it. So then he's addressing an issue evidently in this church. Does that mean we can go on sinning? Another place he says, okay, if grace is good, when we sin, we receive grace. And if grace is so good, then the more I sin, the more grace I get. And Paul says, no, 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 you don't understand. It's kind of the same issue here. He says, of course not. But then he says something really interesting. He says, don't you realize, which the implication is, of course you realize, or of course you understand, of course you know this. I, I shouldn't even need to be able to tell you this. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? And so when we get into an addiction, we are obeying that addiction and we're slaves to it. And it's not always sinful things. Uh, Like I said, all these things started out as pleasures. Um, You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, separation and death, or, choice again, choice, choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So, if it's pleasure that we're serving, eventually it leads to death, sometimes literally. What we've done is given up control. And Jesus doesn't want us to give up our control to anybody but him. So that's what Paul says. He says, thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you're wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given to you. And then he goes on. Now you are free from the slavery to sin. Ah, I'm not a prisoner anymore. Well, I kind of still am a prisoner because he says, I become a slave to righteous living. I become a prisoner to Jesus. I become a servant of Jesus. Uh, Jesus becomes my addiction, if you will. And then a verse most of you are familiar with, 6.23 says this, for the wages or the payout, right? What you receive for sin is death. Not so good, right? But the free gift, notice it doesn't say the wages because we can't earn God's grace. But it's a gift that is offered and we can accept it so we can work for sin and death or we can accept the free gift of God which is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So again, we had the choice, we had the option to follow Jesus or follow the thief. As we said in this series, peace with God paves the way to peace with ourselves, forgive ourselves, and which equips us to make peace with others. When I've learned to forgive myself, I can learn to forgive others. God forgave me everything, so Unconditionally, I should forgive everybody else unconditionally. I can have peace, and they may not accept it, but I, from my perspective, from my side, I can offer them forgiveness and be at peace about that disruptive relationship. Now, a key component of happiness, if we've said it through this series, is it's not immediately accessible. I'm unhappy this second, I can be happy the next second. It doesn't work that way. We use the term, an agricultural term. Got a farmer here this morning. he will understand this better than any of us. Um, if you, you have to sow your way to happiness. You have to sow things now that will benefit or reap happiness later. You plant those corn seeds. You don't harvest them the next day. There is a time frame. All right? You're looking forward to it. And eventually, all things considered, and the corn looks pretty good to me this year. I don't know. You're the farmer. <laughs> uh, lots of rain. We have plenty of rain. Um, so then there is the reaping, the, the the joy of the reaping of the harvest, right? So, consequently, if we sow better, you sow better seeds, you get better corn, right? If you sow better, you'll reap better. And ultimately or consequently what? You'll feel better. Now, here's our problem. When we get unhappy, we want instant happiness, right? And so that's what causes us problems. We usually seek it through pleasure, right? Because that can be immediately. Some people, it's shopping. You get online, and we talked about, put that thing right in that cart. (laughs) Um, It could be food. I said, first service, get your bag of chips and sit in front of the TV. Maybe it's two bags of chips and sit in front of the TV, right? Food addiction. Hopefully it's not uh, drugs or alcohol or something more serious. Um, Could be um, a hobby. We mentioned before. Well, I I, I don't know if you can have fun playing golf. (laughs) It's so frustrating. But anyway, uh, I want to have fun. So I'm going to go go play golf or go play tennis or or whatever. It could be... uh, we're coming up on football season maybe you're a, a fanatic about some football team and you know you go watch them and you go to their games and all you can think about is is that team so we become we seek happiness through pleasure the problem is there's no quick fix and as we just talked about those pleasures genuine non sinful pleasures eventually become become a thief that steals our Happiness. So Jesus says, okay, he says this in all areas of life. He says, just trust me. Believe, I know what I'm talking about. I created you. I know what will make you happy, and I know what will make you unhappy. So you and I owe it to ourselves, but also to the people that we care about and care about us. To answer this question honestly, you don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to tell them your answer. And you don't even have to change anything. All I'm asking you is to answer this question for yourself honestly. Again, it doesn't have to be something sinful, but a pleasure that is undermining your happiness. And one way you can tell is if it is in a conversation with your spouse or or someone, your kids, and they say, uh... Spouse or dad or mom, you just seem to be spending so much time filling the blank. And you know what your reaction is? No, I'm not. If you and I get defensive, that's a good indication that, yeah, whatever that person's saying to us is true. Um, honestly, answer that question. I worded it a, a, a separate way. Maybe this will help communicate. Is there a pleasure that is slowly taking you prisoner? You can't not do it. Consequently, you're losing your freedom. Anytime you and I lose freedom, we're not happy, are we? And I can guarantee you this. One day, one day, you're going to wish you had quit. Hopefully before it's too late. So constantly we are all dumb sheep, right? So we all need a shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am so good, I'm willing to die for you. In fact, he did. Now, ladies, look at your phones for a second. I'm going to talk to the guys. (laughs) Because I'm a guy, and I don't always understand how women's minds work, but I know how our minds work. You know, my reaction to this is, yeah, you're right. I need to do, do better with... Whatever. (laughs) I need to do better, okay? Guys, we do that all the time, don't we? I need to do better. I need to be a better parent. I need to spend more time with my spouse. I need to be better with this. I need to do better with that. The problem is, how often do we really do it? Or how long do we really do it? And you and I hold a lot of people's future happiness in our hands, don't we? Our spouses, those those who are married, uh, children, uh, grandchildren, whoever it is. So here it is, ladies you can listen in, (laughs) your happiness, my happiness, people around me happiness will require some extreme measures, not, yeah, I just need to do better, because we all do that temporarily, right, we all, I'll cut back, but after some amount, amount of time, guess what, you're probably doing as much as you were before, if not more, right, Don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you started a diet and then stopped, or started an exercise program and stopped? So it takes extreme measures. Now I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to to figure that out for yourself. But don't just say, "Yeah, I need to do better," or "I'll just cut back." Extreme measures. So prioritize what, not pleasure. For. Prioritize your happiness over pleasure. If you and I do that, guess what? You get the best of both. Pleasure is truly pleasurable, and we're happy. We're at peace. If not, guess what? Eventually, you don't get either. The thief comes and steals, kills, and destroys. Jesus said, I want you to have what? An extraordinary life your choice, and mine. So here's what I'm going to leave you with as you leave this, leave here. <laughs> Hopefully not just, yeah, I need to do better. If there is a pleasure that is undermining your happiness or taking you prisoner, figure out what it is and then take the extreme measure required to ensure your happiness. Would you do that? Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you. I thank you so much for your insight and your word. Uh, the wisdom of your word. Yeah, we're short-term happiness people or short-term pleasure people. I'm happy I want to turn something on or do something that, that'll turn that off. God, we can be dumb, but we have your wisdom. I pray we would seek your wisdom and that we would obey it. We would follow it. We'd understand and we'd realize I need to plant seeds of uh, good seeds now to, to reap Happiness later but God, I pray for anybody that's with an addiction, probably all of us have some kind, unfortunately, that will take it seriously, especially if it's something that is hindering our happiness and/ or the happiness of those around us we care about. And as always, we want to ask you those of you without Jesus, without a good shepherd, without um, a personal experience, a relationship with God, that you would accept just now, just say yes to the offer of God's grace, a gift of forgiveness for sin, and a promise of a abundant, extraordinary life, and then eternity with Jesus. Would you say yes to Him now? Just pray, yes, Jesus, I accept your gift. Forgive me for my sin. and He'll do that, and your life will be transformed. You'll be born again. Thank you, Father. Most of us have done that, and we're Figuring this thing out, this Christian life thing out. Help us do better because we want people to see us as, wow, there's something different. And then we say, yes, it's you, Jesus. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.